healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. So hi, Michael. Thanks again for joining us for Office Hours. I think this is the second time you've, you've joined us, so, so now you're a veteran. But today we're going to be addressing how to navigate some of the complexities of ophthalmology eligibility and verification and prior authorization. But before we get into some of those challenges that are faced in ophthalmology, why don't you just tell us a little bit about PX Technologies, what your solutions are, and and what markets you focused on. Sure, David. Appreciate it. First of all, thanks again for having me on the webinar. I don't know if I'll earn veteran status yet, but <laughs> I do appreciate it. So first and foremost, at PX Technology, our purpose is really to use technology to simplify access to treatments and really making practices more efficient. And we want to do that, obviously, so they can spend more time on patient care. We focus on practices that use specialty drugs, or they use complex procedures such as retinas, the retina space in ophthalmology and immunology, like respiratory and gastro. These types of practices have treatments that often have multiple barriers to the patients, whether it be financial barriers because of the cost or complex prior authorizations required. As of today, most of our customers are in the ophthalmology space, but we really focus on helping all of these practices streamline their processes in a couple of different ways. One thing we do is automate enrollment into the patient support programs that provide that financial assistance. We do that with our product called PX Connect. But really, and more importantly for today, you know, we're going to talk about our electronic prior authorization solution, PX EPA. And it's really focused on streamlining the medical prior authorization process for our customers. So, so you mentioned barriers, which is a nice segue into the next question. I, I can imagine there are some major administrative challenges that the ophthalmology practices face, particularly to into the insurance process. Can you give us some insights to some of those challenges that you see? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things is in ophthalmology anyway, you know, 99% of the prior authorizations our medical benefit. So one of the things that we actually see sometimes with the smaller payers is they try to redirect that prior authorization request to a pharmacy coverage, even though the drugs in this space aren't covered under, they're covered under medical benefit, not pharmacy. The, the major payers have kind of figured it out and that's not as much of a problem with them, but it does create some difficulties with the smaller payers in trying to get that prior authorization started because it may bounce around a few different departments in the payer before we actually get it to the right, right person. However, I really think the biggest challenge that revolves around insurance plans requiring step therapy before they use these treatments. These treatments are expensive, you know, and, and step therapy is a, a fail first approach, if you will, where the theory is that with the less expensive treatments, if they're comparable to the more expensive ones, then the insurance company doesn't feel like they're compromising any patient care, but they're reducing their cost. However, there's still a lot of clinical concerns with step therapy. And so where this comes in, even if there's comparable treatments for some disease states, there's complexities with some patients or there's certain diseases where doctors know that 
Patients tend to do better with a more expensive treatment, right? But all these factors have to go into that step therapy. So even when they, a doctor does choose to use step therapy and it doesn't work, one of the challenges they have with the authorization of the payers is figuring out when that, quote, failure occurs and when can they step up that therapy to a different therapy, right? So from an insurance perspective or a payer perspective, these guidelines around step therapy are not always very clear. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges with getting a prior authorization. And especially when they are requesting to change therapy or step up therapy, like each of the payers requires different information to get that prior authorization. So knowing what's required from each payer to get a prior authorization is just, it's just a huge challenge for these practices to keep up with all these different policies. And, and not only is there a lot of them to keep up with, they're changing all the time, right? And the payers, Strangely enough, as y'all would be surprised, they don't always communicate that very clearly uh, or correctly sometimes. So, so the risk is, you know, in the ophthalmology space, these treatments are very expensive. If a policy changes and the practice doesn't see that change, you know, they could get stuck with the, un, the cost of that reimbursed, unreimbursed treatment. So that's why the prior authorization is, it's important, but it's also sometimes complex to figure out exactly what they need to do that. So how many times or what's the percentage you think that the payers will require step therapy versus just going to that higher cross drug to see if it it's effective? Is it the majority of the time? Is it minority or do you know? I don't have an exact percentage and some of it, it really depends on the diagnosis code. So some of the diagnosis codes are going to almost always require it, but it gets complex because there's a diagnosis code, but then there's the doctor's notes will include, you know, they have a certain visual acuity, right? So then you might have two patients with the same diagnosis code, but one of them has a worse visual acuity. And so they may not require step therapy, but at a certain visual acuity, everybody's going to be required. So there's just, again, that's where the, some of the complexities come in. So it's, it's not just the diagnosis code sometimes, it's also two or three other factors that determine that. Got it. So you, you mentioned complexity a few times. How do, how do most ophthalmology groups ensure compliance within the pair guidelines and policies when they're submitting prior authorization? Yeah, unfortunately. So if you add all those policy changes, plus the fact that patients don't always communicate when they change insurances, you know, this creates a pretty big administrative burden on the ophthalmology practice. What we actually see a lot of our practices, they have performed an insurance and benefits verification on every patient before every visit. And so, and it's a lot of work, you know, it's, it, they don't necessarily have to get the prior authorization every time, but because of all these insurance and coverage changes, it's just creating a lot of administrative work to get those insurance benefits verifications every visit. And I think, I think most people don't understand that when that 270, 271 eligibility request goes to the payer and comes back, a good portion of the time, the benefits at that procedure level aren't included. So they have to pick up the phone, call or go out to the portal to see if that, that benefit is covered for that member or that patient by that benefit. Right, yeah, and that's what, what I was, when I'd say insurance and benefits verification, yeah, they're not just doing an eligibility check, that would pick up its insurance changes, but they're going all the way down to the J code to get the specific coverage for that J code. Right. 
So what, what future trends do you anticipate in, in prior authorization or, or the future trends that you see impacting prior authorizations? Yeah, there's a, a couple of big things going on right now. Two big things, really. One is the introduction of biosimilars into the ophthalmology space. And then we also have a lot of brand new drugs and treatments that are coming into the space. So let's talk about biosimilars first. You know, biosimilars have been around. They've been around in oncology for a while, but they're fairly new to ophthalmology. And there's been speculation on how well they would take effect. Um, but we do now have two that are in the space and we have several more in the pipeline. And so what we're seeing right now is a when the biosimilar launches, there is a little bit of a slow uptake in terms of usage, right? Once they get their permanent Q code, so the biosimilars have a Q code instead of the J code, we do start to see that adoption start to pick up, right? So while it's still early, we expect the biosimilars are going to have an impact on prior authorization in a couple of different ways. One, in theory, these biosimilars are going to be less expensive than the reference drugs, right? So one thing in, that we're already hearing about is the possibility of some biosimilars being required as step therapy before they can be put on a reference drug. So, you know, at a minimum, until the biosimilars have been around for a while, I think practices will kind of err on the side of caution. And if they're going to put a patient on that biosimilar, they're going to go for a prior authorization to do that. So I think there's enough unknowns about those biosimilars that we're going to have a higher requirement for prior auth, and we actually may see some payers in their response to the prior authorizations require step therapy using those biosimilars. The other thing is the brand new treatments, right? We just had a drug called Cyphover that was recently launched, and this is the first FDA-approved treatment for geographic atrophy. And then there's another FDA-approved treatment for GA coming out from Iveric Bio very soon. And so you have those two. We also have another new drug that's coming out that's a, an ophthalmic formulation of bevacizumab or Avastin. And so what we could see there is with these new treatments, we'll probably again see authorization requests. What we'll see them is for unspecified biologics. And we see those PAs come in until the permanent J code comes in, the practices are putting to get approval, they'll do the unspecified biologics J code, but then they have to put a lot of notes about the new drugs and the new treatments, right? So I mentioned earlier that the one of the biggest challenges that they that we deal with is just insurance policy changes, right? As you can imagine, I mean the practices already have trouble keeping up with the changes that are out there for the existing treatments. So with adding so many new treatments and the introduction of biosimilars possibly being part of step therapy, I think you're going to see the, the policy changes and the problem with the changes occurring. That problem is just going to continue to grow. The more policy changes that occur, the more difficult it is for the practice to keep up with them. And so I think both the biosimilars and new, new treatments in the marketplace are creating a lot more complexity than we already have today. It seems like there's a lot of complexity in ophthalmology when, you know, being on the outside and not being so down into the weeds, I would have never thought it was so complex and with all the different drugs and diagnosis of, for those procedures to align with the, the treatment plan. Do you see any other things impacting prior authorizations coming in the future? Yeah, actually, there's a couple more things. Um, one of the things that we're we're going to see is more patients changing 
treatments. Historically, especially in the retina subspecialty of ophthalmology, I mean, there was only a few treatment options and that's been around for 15 years. You know, for the better part of 15 years, there wasn't a lot of change in the space, right? Patients will stay on a treatment for years at a time. These are these are treatments that you, they can't be stopped, right? They have to continue to take them once they go on to the treatment. With all of the new options though, practices have already started talking to us about how the impact on their workflow of a patient changing medications, having to go get a different prior authorization, start the process, and then the number of patients may be switching you know, in large groups. They may have a large number of patients switching at the same time. So the prior authorization requirements are going to increase as they see those switches. And then the other thing is, this is kind of an interesting Currently in the retina space specifically, patients are typically on a single treatment at a time, such as ILEA or Lucentis. Those are kind of the, the two historical big treatments there. One of the things I've heard, and I'm not a medical professional, but I've heard that with some of these newer treatments, it's actually possible that the patients could start being prescribed more than one of the treatments at a time. And that's sure, surely going to create some more prior authorization challenges because I think the payers you know, right now you wouldn't seek a prior authorization for both ILEA and Lucentis. You kind of have to, if they authorize one, then you have to cancel that authorization before they start the other one because they're treating the same disease state. Well, some of these treatments now, imagine what we're going to deal with with the insurance companies. If we have to make sure to communicate to the insurance company, the patient is actually on both treatments at the same time. So it, it just, it's another area where the change and the new treatments are going to create more complexity around the prior auth process. So Michael, you've, you've mentioned complexity, you've mentioned barriers, you've mentioned challenges. Let's, let's turn to the solutions. How, how does PX technology solutions assist ophthalmology practices in navigating these, these complex challenges and barriers? Yeah. Well, look, kind of going back to what I started off with, our purpose is to make these practices more efficient. So our PXEPA solution is really focused on making the prior authorization process very streamlined for the practice. There's several different things that, that we try to differentiate our solution from others in the market. You know, and, and with us, we like to see as much as 70% staff workload reduction if we can. The first differentiator in terms of our solution is that we have a real-time integration with the practices PM or their EMR system. And by, by doing this, we can pre-populate 80 to 90% of the data that's required to submit a prior authorization request. So if they're using if today the practice is either using a payer's portal or payer forms, like they don't have to do that anymore. We can capture all that information. Our 80 to 90% of it through the integration, and that leaves the practice just a few more fields they need to fill out to generate that prior authorization. And then the next thing is we put that all into one location where the practice can initiate all of their prior authorizations. They can see statuses of all of the pending or completed ones, and they even in that same interface use that to communicate back and forth with the payers. So they don't have to pick up the phone anymore. They don't have to call. They don't have to sit on hold. They can use the PX portal inside our solution. And it's a real simple, seamless interface. So the practices don't have to go into all the different payer portals and make those phone calls. So 
all that communication being in one simple dashboard really just streamlines the whole process, including submitting documentation, physician notes. If there's follow-up required, they can send that communication back through the portal. So when I talk to practices about our solution, one of the things that I really point out is it's not just a technology solution. Because of our partnership with Infinix, our solution is really a combination of technology and an outsourced process, right? So between PXT and Infinix, while we would strive for 80% of that process to be automated, even when it can't be automated, the Infinix operation team steps in and does whatever work is required to get that prior authorization done for the practice, right? So it's a real complete prior authorization solution. Yeah, and the benefit to that, I think, you know, when you look at the administrators or the CFOs of, of these practices, they know that prior authorization is a problem, but they're not doing it every day. They're not down in the right. weeds. So what you just said is, is there's a single hub Whereas if you're doing it in a manual environment, they're going out to multiple pair portals. They're entering this data manually. They're trying to see if that auth is required or not. Sometimes the pair will say it's not required when it actually is, and then right. they'll get a denial for it, and that leads to a write-off. So there's, there's these benefits, massive benefits that brings about an ROI just by having a single stop shop that you've created for these these ophthalmology groups. You mentioned our partnership. Can can you talk a little bit about the integration of Infinix into PX technology and how that improves the prior authorization process? Um, I think you just touched on it a bit, but can you share some examples too? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but the key to our integration with Infinix is that it is a real-time bi-directional API, if you will, but it connects not only Infinix's automation, but also their operations to our solution that's in the practice, right? So it allows the practices to use PXEPA to handle the entire process, right? So it's really the fact that it's connected to both the technology and the operations. So the payer communications, document submissions, screenshots back from the payers if that's what's needed, like all that handle, all that's in that integration with Infinix. So it really gives you kind of a, a one-stop shop. You know, you asked about examples. We had a customer that had adopted the solution for a few months early on, had a prior authorization specialist, which a lot of these practices still do. And with the staff turnover issues, that prior authorization specialist resigned to go to another place. And the practice actually had become so comfortable with the EPA solution that we have with Infinix that they felt like they didn't have to backfill for that resource. Each medical assistant could spend about 10 minutes a day in the beginning of each day and either submit new prior auths or respond to any that they were waiting uh, responses from payers. And they were able to literally eliminate a resource or not eliminate, but not backfill for a resource that resigned. And I, they had about four or five medical assistants. So you can imagine, you know, each one was maybe spending 10 minutes a day and that replaced the whole resource. And so, you know, just the fact that it's all integrated and it includes every aspect of the process kind of allows a practice to, to not necessarily have to have a, a prior authorization specialist. 
Yeah, and we, we see that throughout our customer base too. As, as practices grow, maybe they don't bring on additional prior authorization specialists or if there's a churn rate, they don't necessarily need to backfill that, that resource because of the things that, that you just said. Looking ahead at, at PX technology solution and, and our combined solution, is there anything that your users can anticipate that'll further simplify the, the prior authorization process? Yeah, actually, we do have a couple of new things coming out soon that we're obviously really excited about. The first thing that we're doing is expanding our solution to split that insurance and benefits verification transaction away from the prior authorization. And so like we talked about above, you know, or earlier is that, you know, that's a J code level benefits verification. So we're getting the actual coverage down to the J code. And a lot of practices, as I mentioned, do this for every patient visit. So we're trying to offer a solution where they can have kind of that same full PA experience with just that insurance and benefits verification. And then they can only process prior authorizations on the ones that come back that are required. And so there's a couple of different scenarios where that's going to make more sense for the practice. So that's one of the things that we're offering here pretty soon. And the other thing actually probably what I'm most excited about is we're working on what we're calling, I'm not saying we're calling uh, the practices called clinical pathways, but we're, we're adding some features to document clinical pathways and more importantly, payer notes, right? So basically what this feature is going to do is it allows a practice to document what the practice's preferred treatment approach is for a particular diagnosis code or indication, right? But more importantly, then they can go in and put in payer notes for their practice based on which each payer specifically requires regarding prior authorization, whether it's documentation or step therapy and then what's required to get out of step therapy. But when you take those payer notes and our integration with the PM system, we basically bring all that information together. So we have the patient's insurance information. Now we have a diagnosis code. And when they put that together, we can proactively then present those payer notes to the, the user that's about to submit that prior authorization so that if there's you know, certain documentation required that the practice has learned through their working with these payers, and they've basically, it's a way to communicate this to the entire staff. And with all those changes that are occurring, right? if a change occurs, they can go in and update the payer notes and the next patient that comes through they'll know that they need to do something different to get that prior authorization and, and not, you know, be lagging behind some of those payer changes. So, so we're really excited about these payer notes and, and really being proactive in the process to shorten the prior authorization process and make sure they get it right the first time. Yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth, being proactive versus reactive and, and setting your customer up for success. That's, that's pretty cool. We just we just got a question from one of the audience attendees. We have about six more minutes. So the question is, can you expand on scenarios where a practice would benefit from checking J code when verifying insurance? Yeah, and uh, I think maybe, David, this is kind of a combined response that's probably, there's a, a kind of a general response for all prior authorizations from um, not being a payer expert. When we do the J code level, verification, 
what that does is it allows us to identify if a particular plan has carve outs or special rules. And some of the payers are gonna have different step therapy requirements that are based on that particular J code. And if you just do the eligibility check and you're not checking, you know, it may say that that drug is covered, but without going down to the J code level and, and asking for the details for that, you won't know exactly what step therapy is required or what carve outs exist. Yeah, that's right. We have, a, we have another question. In your experience, what aspects of the prior authorization process typically poses the greatest difficulties for ophthalmology practices? Um, again, I think I'll probably have to just go back to the answer of the step therapy, right? And, yeah. it's, and it's getting the prior authorization to get off of step therapy, right? Making sure that the documentation that they require to do that is submitted with that prior authorization to minimize the back and forth and also minimize the physician's time required to, to be involved in the process, right? So, you know, we've gotten some requests and have some features where we can attach payer notes to the request automatically. Some practices don't want to do it automatically, but that is something that we see fairly often. It's really about getting those step there, getting past the step therapy to get that authorization. We had a follow-up question to the previous question. I, I can help you a little bit with this. Is this the same as if we need to ask if prior authorization is required for a J code? And I think that's, you know, tagging on to the expand on the scenarios where a practice would benefit. One of the one of the nice things about Infinix is we leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning. So we've processed so many prior authorizations in ophthalmology and other specialties over seven plus years now that our machine learning algorithms can identify even a J code level if an auth is required or not. And so it does that in real time. So once we get that, that case initiated, we verify first if, if that member has coverage we can go down to the benefit level um, in detail to look at what Michael just explained about the benefits around that J code. But the cool thing is that in real time, we call it determination. We can identify if an auth is required or not. And if it is required, then we'll start the initiation. And the initiation is more than just submitting that auth. It's actually identifying the criteria of that specific pair or benefit manager around that procedure, meaning does it need clinical documentation or doesn't? If it does and we don't have it, then we won't submit it, which is why PX Technologies customers see less than a 2% denial rate when it comes to ophthalmology. And then the last step is, is follow-up, and that's where, you know, it's kind of like air traffic control. We're identifying where that office in flight hasn't been approved. Maybe the payer wants to see additional information Maybe there wasn't enough history in those clinical notes. So PX will message that back and, and work through their workflow and, and get that information back to the pair to get the auth approved. Michael, we have two more minutes. I, 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 you mentioned this earlier, and it's a, it's a common problem within the industry, and I know it's talked about a lot, but maybe you could just identify what are some of the effects of the current staffing shortages on the prior authorization process that you see in, in, in ophthalmology? How is, how is that impacting practices? Yeah, well, obviously turnover, you know, we've talk, been talking about turnover and staffing issues for really several years now. And 
well, you know, the one of the solutions when I talked about those payer notes, one of the things we've heard from practices is with all the staff turnover, right? It's hard to keep all the staff and the new staff, especially up to date with what's going on, what what documents are required for prior auth, which ones need prior auth, right? Part of it is just with a turnover, it's hard to keep the knowledge of the staff up. So it's putting a lot of pressure on the back office and the management. And then the other thing is just pure population growth statistics, right? Population in the United States grows about 1% a year. The actual population, the senior population is growing at around 3% a year. And so with the seniors being, you know, roughly 10 times more in need of ophthalmic type care, the projection is that the patient load will increase at 5% per year. So the same staff is having to deal with 5% more patients per year. And I think that it's just, it creates, I mean, the staffing problems are continuing to grow. And it's really why we're so excited about the solutions that we're doing because our focus is on making that process more efficient. We want a practice to spend, you know, 30% of the time that they do prior authorizations. You know, we want them to spend 30% of that time, you know, in the future so that they can have that flexibility to, to grow. Good points. Michael, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're, we're right at the bottom of the hour. Appreciate your insights and your participation as always and, and the great partnership that we have. Awesome. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.